James Hobson tells you why your chalk sucks. This is Chalk My Back. Josh, if you could take at least a few minutes to try not to open up a fresh can of bangs or anything else. <laughs> yeah. I'll, actually, I'll, 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 I'll bleep that out. Um, I don't want to say anybody who's not paying us. <laughs> um, except except for Spider Chalk, because we have with us today James Hobson, CEO, founder, boss man, head honcho, uh, big, che- big cheese, if you will, um, of Spider Chalk. Let's, all, let's give it a round of applause. All right, for James. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. James, thanks again. Thanks so much for for being with us here today. And um, you know, we'll kind of talk a little bit about how we got to meeting, but um, can't can't get started without saying uh, thanks so much because all the listeners they already know kind of a little bit of the backstory um, about how you were kind enough to send us a box of product. Although that's that is not why we asked you uh, to come on the podcast. We were not bribed. Um, we were honestly just blown away by the story behind Spider Chalk and the fact that it's the only U.S. Uh, manufactured chalk. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's a crazy story. Even now, I meet people all the time, and of course, the first question people ask is, you know, so where do you work? What do you do for a living? And I tell them that I make chalk, and, and they always look at me really weird, and they go, "Well, what's that like?" I go, "It's really dirty, and we're the only people that do it. So <laughs> there's only one person that makes chalk, and and we're it. So if you don't like our stuff," then uh, you got you got to you have to find something else. Um, but there aren't very many people anymore because they're not bringing anything else in. So uh, and I don't know if you guys have noticed that. Have you noticed that there's a little bit of a shortage of chalk? I know that you know there's a shortage of wood and of steel. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, there's a Tell lot of shortages of a lot of things, but there's also happens to be a shortage of chalk. Yeah, I did notice so, that. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, yeah, it's kind of a cool thing. And now when I tell people that we do it and then I explain to them, you know, that we're the only ones that do it. And there's a shortage. People go, "Wow, that's really lucky." I go, "Yeah, you're right. I didn't think it was going to end up like this when we started it, but we're in a pretty cool position right now." So, Spider Chalk launched back in 2015. Uh, so, it's still a relatively new company, and I know that um, 2020 marked your five-year anniversary uh, as being the only manufacturer of chalk in the USA. Um, is that still does that still hold true to this to this day? I mean, given the fact that there's such a shortage, has there have you noticed any sort of competition uh, or anybody trying to come in and trying to take advantage of that um, I guess that lack of supply yes yeah, so there's there's two things one is we are the only truck manufacturer in the United States we still are we always have been we probably always will be heck yeah Just because in order to do it uh, it's, it's very difficult to do very very expensive and uh, most people don't value it enough to invest that kind of capital so you have to be a little bit crazy and, uh, I mean, it has to be a passion project, honestly, because why would you put up, you know, your entire life savings, spend years of your life to figure out how to do it just so you can go out and sell something that's readily available at Walmart, Dick's Sporting Goods, every fitness website, you know what I'm saying? So there, there's no financial incentive to do it, honestly. You, you have to want to do it. And so, uh, A, I don't think we'll ever have a competitor in the United States. So that's the first thing. Second thing. There's lots of people I've noticed popping up on Amazon and various places that say, ours, our products are made in the United States. That's a lie. They're not. 
course, people can say whatever they want, right? I can say that we make our stuff in Antarctica. Who's going to choke up? You heard it here first, everybody. It's all manufactured in Antarctica. (laughs) Um, So, so yeah, and and, and on that, it does get a little bit frustrating. Uh, I actually had a a conversation with a a big equipment supplier a couple days ago. The president of that company called me, and we were just chatting it up. And he said, you know what's really frustrating? Every time we come out with a new piece of, of powerlifting or fitness equipment, um, someone copies it, right? So they not only copy the equipment, but they also steal what they write on their website. He goes, so what we started doing was we started to intentionally misspell words when we launch a new product. And then we go to our competitors and they've misspelled the same word, meaning that they copy oh. and pasted it oh, no. from our website to their website. And and, and I, I told him at the time, I said, that is brilliant. What I'm going to do is I'm going to come up with just the most bull crap product you've ever seen in your life, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm just going to make up a bunch of stuff, you know, increases your vertical by 40 inches, you know, and then I'm going to put it up on Amazon. Within a week, you'll have five other guys saying it increases your vertical 36 inches, right? Even though it's chalk and it goes on your hands. And that's just, that's just to make them look <laughs> foolish, right? Just, just to be a complete jerk and just come up with a bunch of nonsense just because everybody's copying. And the irony of that is uh, these people that spend so much time you know, ripping off our products. They, they copy our labels. They copy our verbiage off our website. They say it's made in America and they'll put American flags all over it. It's a complete lie. Um, but when they do that, they could have just spent some time, right? And probably figured out how to do some of this stuff in the US. But instead, they're just buying it from either Taiwan or China and then saying it's made in the United States. But my point is like, I remember this story when I was in high school about this kid that stayed up all night long. It took him like 18 hours to make a cheat sheet. And then he got busted for it. And the teacher said, if you just studied for 18 hours, you'd have gotten a better grade. Yeah, but exactly. Like that, that to me is like what's going on in the industry right now. People are so desperate to get their name out there. And we are the largest truck company in the US. So we have a very large market share. And they're so desperate to get their name out there that they're willing to say or do anything, in, including completely lie. And again, like all they had to do is just put that same amount of time and effort, you know, just take three months of your life and try to figure it out, you know, mm-hmm. like we did. And then I'd have a lot more respect for you. And you'd actually have a solid product that would probably sell really well versus just trying to repackage what you're getting from overseas. So uh, as far as your question, I don't I don't think we'll ever have a competitor. And uh, I mean, it not not unless someone's crazy like me, crazy enough to, to spend a huge chunk of their life and all their money <laughs> to make something. <laughs> Now the passion comes out like obviously in, in hearing you talk about it. And I've I've used I mean like I, y'all have y'all used uh I'm not gonna name any names, but like I've used chalk that's like almost felt like um like baby powder. Like it like you get it on your hands and it's like soft almost. Like it doesn't really kinda it doesn't re- it like you get to a deadlift and you just kinda you, you just drop it. Yeah, see mm-hmm. so, yeah, some chalk like it's so grainy, like it doesn't it feels like dust on your hand, like it's, that doesn't feel like it's helping with grip or anything um but it's yeah. never been something nice to think about too like there would always just be at a meet like chalk in a bowl and then it's just like yeah whatever like i'm gonna get it and then it wasn't until i started seeing like liquid chalk because i had never i mean this was probably back in like 2015 2016 before i started really getting into it but like when i started seeing liquid chalk and i'm just like wow like there's so many different kinds because i just remember that like rock climbing stuff that you get in a little cloth baggie that you mm-hmm. dip your hands into and then you kind of, you know, all that. But like, I, I guess, James, what makes good chalk in the manufacturing side of things? Yeah. So that's a really great question. Nobody's ever asked me that, which is funny because it's, 
What? The first place my mind went, I go, I do all these podcasts and people interview me all the time, but they never really ask these certain questions. And I always think like, why don't they, why don't they ask these simple questions? You know, a lot of them want to know about like money and how you get your clients and all that stuff, which is cool. But sometimes it's also cool to go back and talk about like, you know, just chalk itself. So there, there's actually a lot of things. I'm a huge chalk geek. You got to be when you're in the industry, like, you know, if you were to make a wine company, you'd want to know everything there is about wine, right? You don't want someone to come up and go, well, tell me about wine. And you go, I don't honestly don't know that much about it. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I really did a deep dive about chalk when I was trying to figure out how to make it. And there's not a lot of information on the internet about it. That's because no one really spends a lot of time writing about it. Right. So you have to piece these things together. A lot of time on Google, a lot of time reading these silly little research papers and stuff about industrial stuff. Cause chalk magnesium carbonate is, is, uh, is used in two industries, mainly industrial Right. So they put it on rollers and different things like that in industrial situations. Uh, the second thing is, uh, well, and a food additive, that's that's another one. And the third one, and the big one is pharmaceuticals. OK, so that's where you get your information from. You go to these pharmaceutical companies and these websites. You can read about magnesium carbonate. So here's what makes great chalk. A couple things. One, the grind. If it's too thin. Right. They grind it and it goes through a certain sieve size. That means the particles are super tiny. Right. It's like flour. And that feels slick on your hands. Uh, the particles, they get built up on your hands. They get inside the grooves and it makes a big layer. And chalk can actually be a sort of lubricant. If you put too much on your hand, it does the opposite. It's no longer increasing friction. It's decreasing friction. It becomes a lubricant. So if your grind is too small, then it's a lubricant. So it doesn't matter anything else. If you just put it through the grinder too much and it comes out too fine, and you can sift it through a really tiny uh, sifter, then it's going to be bad chalk. So first of all, you got to have the right grind. Second thing, uh, if it's too big, it doesn't stick to your hand, right? So it hits the hand and then it rubs off, right? So think about salt, right? It's really hard to get salt to, to cover your hand. You can get it to cover little bits and pieces, but then it's very easy for it to fall off. For us, we have a very specific grind that goes through a specific sieve size. So that's the first thing. Uh, second thing, uh, it has to be pure. The purity of the chalk is very, very important. So when chalk is made, 98% of chalk in the world is mined. Or they can also extract it from seawater, but it's basically an organic process, right? They, they, they run it through an extraction process and start to pull out some of the impurities that aren't magnesium carbonate. Mm-hmm. And typically when you have a, a big slab of limestone, what they're doing is it's calcium carbonate, magnesium carbonate, it's got a bunch of other stuff in it. You've probably seen pictures of mines where these big slabs come off this wall and they weigh like, you know, 5,000 tons. Mm-hmm. So yeah. all they're doing is they're taking it in and they're extracting out the magnesium carbonate. The farther you get along that process, the more expensive it is. So when they get to 50% or 49% magnesium carbonate, they stop. Anything after that gets so expensive that they don't even want to do it anymore. Oh. And so that's what they sell on the general market. They're selling very cheap, very basic. They call it tech grade or gym grade. Almost, uh, sounds like crude. Carbonate. Yeah. Almost all of it comes from China. Some of it comes from Taiwan. Um, and there's varying degrees, right? The price of it, uh, the, the higher the purity, the, the more expensive it is. We don't buy that. Uh, we, we buy um, precipitated. That means that it's made in a laboratory. And laboratory-made magnesium carbonate, we get it from a lab here in the U.S. It's very, very high levels of purity. We had the most pure chalk in the world a year ago. We talked to the lab. They said they found a way to increase the purity by double refining it. So they run it through again extract any little bits of, of, uh, of extra stuff that's in there. And when you go through this thing called certificate of analysis, certificate of analysis tells you uh, what's in it, you know, so it has a third-party lab analysis. And ours is by far the best chalk on the planet as far as purity. So purity means that it's drier, 
Um, it can absorb more moisture or, or reflect more moisture, meaning that it keeps your hands dry, right? So it's a desiccant. And uh, so ours is the driest on the planet. It also has the best grind. And, uh, and then the third thing is um, bulk density. So bulk density of chalk is how fluffy it is. Uh, think about it this way. A pound of feathers and a pound of lead. What's more dense? Well, a pound of lead is, right? Mm-hmm. We want I was about a pound to say, of you're about to trick me, James. Don't trick me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we want the pound of feathers. And uh, so we have to have a specific bulk density. It's very difficult to get that bulk density. It's very difficult to get that grind. It's very difficult to get that level of purity. When we first started, we were buying, I think their minimum was like two kilos. So we bought two kilos of it, 4.4 pounds. And uh, it was wicked expensive and we tried it and we loved it. And then we got all these samples from like 18 other countries. Everybody in the world sends us their chalk and says, you should use ours. It's good. It's cheap, you know, and I'll try it. I mean, heck, if it's better, I'll use it, you know, but uh, no, there's been nothing that has compared to that. And the bulk density of it makes it difficult for us because when we compress it into block form, you're now taking this giant puffy pillow of chalk, which means it has a lot of air in it. And you're trying to compress it into this tiny little block right? And it's very difficult to do. That's the hardest thing that we do. And, 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 uh, I can't imagine anybody else ever figuring out how to do it or wanting to figure out how to do it. <laughs> it's such a long process. <laughs> so, uh, those are the things that make good chalk. You got to have good bulk density. You got to have good purity level. You got to have a good grind. And, uh, so when you get down to it, it's not just white powder. There's way more into it. And that's the, that's the geek side of me that kind of loves that, you know, that the science part of it. So, uh, yeah, what a great question, man. I mean, you know, I can't believe you guys asked that. That's awesome. Yeah. I, lo- I love how you describe your chalk as if you're like Heisenberg from Breaking Bad. Dude, explaining I'm hyped. Meth. Yeah, like, yeah, man. I was going to say. Dude. He's like. How did you figure like the, that out? Like. The density, the the everything, dude. Yeah. How did you. Like, yeah. How did you figure that out? <laughs> so, like, what, usually what? samples. So, uh, all right. One more thing, too, that, that you don't think about is um, on paper, everything looks good, but, but how does it feel? Right. Right. So let's say someone approached me and there's a company in Sweden that has a patent on some new chalk and, uh, and, and it's, it's laboratory made. It's very good, very high level. And they make like five grams at a time. So, so five grams, which means like a teaspoon, they make like teaspoons of this stuff. It's so high level. And it came out of a oh. university and they, they claim it's the, it's the best chalk in the world and it has the most absorption and all that. They sell it oil companies and, and people that have like billion dollar uh, companies. And they approached me a few years ago when they were first prototyping it. And they said, do you want this? And I said, yeah, you know, I don't know. Like we'd be interested in, you know, throwing it in there. And they said, okay, it's like a hundred dollars, you know, for every half of a pound. So for every eight ounces, I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, it's really expensive. Like you got to get the price down. But I said, well, send me a sample anyway, you know, send it to me, send me five grams or something. And let me play with it. You know, on paper, it's the best in the world, but it never really translates over, right? You take that little teaspoon, you dump it on your hand and you rub it in and you go do some deadlifts and you go, eh, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, is it really any better than like the stuff we have? I mean, marginally like 1% better, but the price of it is like 5,000 times more expensive. (laughs) So not everything on paper translates, right? So the way we figured most of this stuff out is just through samples. People, you know, people from around the world sent us samples. I like the stuff they sent us. The stuff in the U.S. is just better. And uh, and it's getting better. It's getting even more better. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Like, do you think the current uh, spider chalk is as good as it gets? Uh, there may be some room for improvement. Um, 
I don't know though. You, you know, to be honest, like now it comes down to processes for us. Uh, liquid liquid shock. There's not a lot of room. Um, we've really done a good job of hunting down like the best of everything on our liquid shock. We have eight ingredients in that. The Chinese and all the other chalk brands that get them from China, they have three ingredients. They have alcohol, thickener, and scent. You know, uh, alcohol, thickener, scent, and chalk. So four ingredients. Yeah. But we have eight ingredients. And uh, oh, we really? source our, our ingredients from all over the world because, again, we get samples from every country. I've got rosin coming from overseas. I've got rosin coming from the United States. We use all these different types of rosins and, and different things that we put in there. Th- a very specific thickener that's made almost specifically for us all of these things. And so there's not a lot of room in my mind until technology expands a lot more. And that's very reliant on pharmaceuticals and industrial. So when the pharmaceutical companies figure out a new technology for their spe- for their products, that's when I can piggyback on what they're doing. But we don't have the, the research and design money to go out and like innovate anymore. It has to be through other big companies. But I'll tell you that there, there might be, there might be um, on blocks. You guys got the eight ounce block, right? Is that the is that the one that comes with a, there was a like a double pack and uh, yes. there was one that was a single yeah was it like ultra pure I didn't know what that meant I thought that was kind of just a marketing term but now I do yeah so so the, so you, you're getting the same chalk that well one of them might have been our previous chalk so the one back we made in 2020 in 2021 we started making an eight ounce block we used to have three blocks in a box each block was five ounces I think you got one of those. It was the one with the little label on it. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah the, ultra, it right. the ultra pure The bigger product. block is eight ounces. So the old one's five, the new one's eight. Everyone said, well, why, why did you do that? Why did you get rid of the old block and do the new block? It's the same chalk from the same company, right? And that's because the amount of chalk that we can make is nowhere close to the demand of chalk that we have, right? I've got orders going out till August. I turn down business all the time. People call me and say, hey, I want 10,000 pounds. All right, I can't do that, so... You know, sorry. You, you That's a good problem. To wait, to till, wait till we can figure things out and get faster. But we can make eight ounce blocks faster than we can five ounce because two eight ounce blocks is a pound. Three five ounce blocks is a pound. So instead of making three blocks through our machine, now we just make two. The size of the block doesn't really matter. What matters is the number of blocks, right? So unfortunately, we had to go through and change in 2021 from a five ounce block to an eight ounce block just so we could make it faster so we could start getting these orders out. If you go to Amazon right now, we're out of stock on Amazon, which kills me because yeah. so many people buy chalk on Amazon. I mean, like millions of people every day are visiting Amazon looking for chalk. You're missing we're not out on there because we can't make it fast enough. Mm-hmm. So uh, when it comes to innovation, one thing that we need to get better about, this is on, I think about this all day long. Like, what, what do I think about right now? I'm thinking about how do we get faster? How do we make it faster? And the solution that I've come up with is we're going to have to automate. McDonald's, Taco Bell, Burger King, all those guys are going to go full automation. Y'all know like in like five years, you're going to go to McDonald's and you're going to, there won't be a single person in the building. Yeah, I heard about Taco Bell having like, they're having a double layer Taco Bells where it's basically like when you go to a bank and you go to like the the drive-thru, but it's Mm -hmm. all going to be automated. Like they're going to have those little tubes uh, that go down the little traveler tube that have taco inside of it. <laughs> right. What's crazy about that is uh, we're going to have to piggyback on their technology. So they have these little robot arms, with like very, uh, very nimble fingers. And they have little rubber pads on each little finger, just like you used to see in the movies back in like the 2000s, you know, the AI movies. But they yeah. have these little things that they use for McDonald's and Burger King and Taco Bell. So we're in the process of, of getting that stuff made for us, which will have a little bunch of little robot arms, kind of like a little mini Tesla factory. 
and uh, it'll make the blocks. It'll move the blocks over. It'll shrink wrap the blocks. It'll package the blocks. And there's this little robot arm just moving around back and forth, you know. And that's where we have to go. We have to do that because we can't find workers right now. And we're bottlenecked. There's way more people out there that want our chalk that 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 can't get it because we're out of stock. So the innovation side, I don't know if I'm even focused on making better chalk anymore. It's more about now we've got the chalk. Now we need to get it to all the millions of people that want it. So having we, right. now having the this is, seems like that's that's so crazy because honestly I had no idea that this shortage even existed and I had no idea that it was it's such in high demand. I I knew that spider chalk was a great product based off of word of mouth, but I had no idea that you had such an opportunity. It's so crazy that what's slowing you down is logistics, not logistics, but really, um, would you say it's logistics supply chain or the fact that you, it, is it economies of scale? Like, is, is it just yes. that you can't grow fast enough? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, there's a lot of words for it. You know, your processes, your production, your economies of scale, economies of scale just means that the faster, the, the larger you get, the cheaper it gets. So like if someone ordered a hundred thousand uh, units, they'd get a discount than, than someone who ordered like 500, you know? Um, so you're just doing volume discounts and economies of scales as you start to ramp up and you start to be able to make larger and larger quantities, uh, the price per unit really goes down. And that's true for us. I mean, I look yeah. at like two years ago, and our price per unit was way higher than it is now um, because we've just figured out processes to go faster. But it's just not enough. I mean, you know, and, and Tesla, they got into a lot of hot water because they went really deep in debt. So if you owned any Tesla stock, they went really deep in debt, building the Gigafactory, um, building their automation factory so they could do the Model 3. And everyone yeah. goes, oh, you're an idiot. You spent all this money. But I don't know. Wait five to 10 years when they're cranking out 10,000 Teslas a day, Right. And the whole world's buying them. Everyone will go, "Oh, that was so smart." You know, well, ten years ago, someone had to say, "You know, in ten years, we're, we're just we're just getting into debt so that one day we can be the head of the of the pile, right, king of the hill." And you that's kind of where we're at. Yourself. The the risk on that is, you know, there's always a risk that politically they're going to open up the borders again, and we're going to get flooded with like hundreds of millions of pounds of ultra cheap chalk where you can go to Walmart and get a block of chalk for like 50 cents. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and if that happens, Ooh, that could be bad news for us because there's a point where our, our costs don't go up. I mean, don't go down at that point. Right. So if, if the border gets flooded, all the imports start coming in, that doesn't change our cost. Right. Yeah. We still got to pay our workers. We still got to buy our chalk. We still got to pay for electricity and the whole thing, you know? So, uh, that in that scenario, it could totally backfire on us. So we have to be really smart. I have to be very smart about the decisions I make right now because this could go from a very growing, fast growing company to no longer existing within a few months. That's how no, hopefully that is. isn't. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But more risk, more reward. Am I right? Yes, definitely. Yep, James. The question that has been not only on my mind. I know. It's, I know it was on Josh's mind when he picked up that that box um, and that our previous guest David Shelton had was and you mentioned it that you are you manufacture your own chalk so you have the ability to control uh the texture and the the particle size so why is the chalk so dense like is that an indication of quality no uh so the blocks when i owned my crossfit gym we were buying blocks like every other gym every powerlifting gym every crossfit gym every gymnastics facility they all buy blocks no one buys powder and the blocks, I used to get so frustrated, right? I'd go and, and order from Rogue, get five pounds of, of blocks, and I'd unwrap a couple blocks, put them in the bucket, 
run a class at 4.30 and a class at 5.30. By 6.30, there was no block left. It was a bucket full of powder. And then the 6.30 class would say, well, hey, man, open up another block. And I go, well, I just opened up two. They go, I know, but they crushed it, and now it's a bunch of powder. (laughs) So I said, all right, fine. And then a pound of chalk. Now, wait a second. If I use four blocks in one day, right, there's only eight in the box. I just use half a pound of chalk in three hours. Now, granted, that might be $10 for a box of chalk, but I just went through $5 worth of chalk in three hours. In a few hours, yeah. Right? Yep. So I just cut out block chalk from my gym. I said, this is ridiculous. It's all on the floor. It all gets crushed up within an hour or two. I said, we're going full liquid. And everyone went, liquid, it sucks. And I was like, well, I'm the one in charge. So we're doing it. And uh, for a couple of years, we would add only liquid. But liquid has its own drawbacks, right? You, you're in the middle of a workout and now you got to stop. You got to squirt it on your hands, rub it in, wait 30 seconds. You got to start um, blowing on your it. hands. Yeah. You got to start yeah. shaking it like a Polaroid picture. Yeah. That's right. And uh, and God forbid, don't accidentally spill it. It looks like an animal just, you know, jizzed all over the place. So, yeah. Um, but you know, some aesthetic, some gyms like that aesthetic. Uh, we'll talk about Metroflex later, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> 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 so, uh, when we started Spider Chalk, we were going to do liquid. And uh, we started making liquid and everyone loved it. They said, oh, it's great. You know, and, and I thought we've really got something here. And then I think our, our a few months later, we were selling like 50 to 100 bottles a month. It's pretty good. You know, I mean, you're working out of your garage. It's pretty good. And then we started getting bigger and bigger orders for liquid. Um, but I, I started doing some research and somebody said, one of the people I called said, we don't do liquid, but we do blocks. Do you do blocks? I said, no, but how many do you order? They said, oh, we order 40,000 pounds a year. Oh, my God. And I said, what? Yeah, huge. He goes, yeah, yeah, that's, that's you know, 40,000 pounds, not Sorry, blocks, I just, I just 40, saw some animal just on the ground. I don't know where that came from. Yeah. God. And uh, and he said, oh, yeah, I don't. I have like five buddies that all own companies that all, all buy 40,000 pounds a year of chalk. Like at the beginning of the year, we put an order in for 40,000 pounds, God. all of us. That's like not that much is, is, was his thing to me. And I thought, why am I messing around with this liquid chalk stuff? <laughs> I've got to figure out how to do these blocks. And that's when we spent 18 years, uh, 18 months of my life, like trying to figure out how to make blocks. But, but here's the thing. You can't make it the way that, that they make it in China and Taiwan because same problem. When you start asking the gymnastics facilities and the CrossFits what they like and dislike about their chalk, they don't know. They never mention purity. They don't, you know, for most of know. them, yeah. they don't know. They don't have any idea what the difference is between, you know, what they use and what you use. What they do mention is, please, God, make something that doesn't break up like the stuff we have. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the ideas that a guy had, which is actually a brilliant idea if you guys ever want to get into it, is, you can figure out how to take old chalk, right? The chalk bowl that's been sitting there for a while that wherever it's gotten crunched up and form it back into a block. Hmm. You know, like if there's some little do-it-yourself home hack where, where you could like sell an ebook or something to every gym owner in, in America. If gym owners want to figure out what to do with all this silly powder chalk laying around everywhere, they buy a box of chalk and then uh, three hours later it's dust. And then, and then they just toss it out. They don't even save it. They just toss it and then open up another block. And if you could figure out a way to get those cats to to take all that powder and make blocks out of it, you know, just in their own gym, um, it'd probably be a great business. But so that's how we got into the the block making thing. Was uh, we said, okay, if we're going to do it, we got to figure out how to do it better. Not just having higher purity chalk, but 
better blocks. Mm -hmm. Boy, is that tough. It is so freaking hard to figure out how to do it. And uh, we went through all these prototypes and approached all these engineering firms and they're all, you know, hey, $15,000 retainer, we'll get on it for you. And so you give them 15 grand and then they bring you a prototype and you try it once and it doesn't work and they go, oh, shucks, let's do it again. We'll, you know, give us more money. We'll, we'll go one more time. Yeah, but <laughs> you, you go in a second, man. Like, hey, hold you know, on. what's your incentive yeah. to get it right? You know, so at that, not- at that point, is that when you decided to kind of take hold of the production of doing it and doing it yourself? Yeah, the, the idea in the beginning was to do it ourselves, but we had to have the machines to do it. No one knew how to. No one knew which machine could do it. Like, how, how do you how do you do it? No one knew how to I don't do know. it. Yeah. And uh, boy, I made a lot of phone calls, and everyone said, "Ah, oh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to do it." I said, "Well, you're an engineer. You make like five thousand products. You work for Johnson and Johnson. You work for, you know, uh, the largest industrial companies in the world. You're the chemist that works for, um, you know, the pharmaceutical companies." Mm-hmm. You guys don't know how to do this? We call Crayola. Um, I mean, you think like other chalk companies, but it's different huh. kind of chalk, so they had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, it would, they were clueless, man. And so for 18 months, we just kept messing around and trying different things, and nothing really worked. And then, uh, and, you know, I was obsessed with it, like 18 hours a day. I'm surprised my wife didn't divorce me. I always say that because it's true. I just was obsessed with it. I said, We've, I've got to figure out how to make blocks. And everyone said, it's so stupid. You're wasting your time and your money. This is dumb. Just get off it, you know? And I was like, no, like once I get on something, man, that's it. Like I'm, I'm going to figure it out. And then we fig- finally figured out. We, we, we built this little machine and uh, we had an engineering firm build this little machine for us and, we, and it worked. And we were making like eight blocks a day and we were so excited. And that's what we talk about in this story. My wife and I, we would go down to the basement at night once the kids are in bed, it's like seven o'clock. And we would sit there and try to grind out from seven to like 1030 at night trying to make blocks, you know, we'd come out at the end of the night with like five blocks and we're like, yes, we did it. You know, we've got these five <laughs> blocks. And let me tell you the worst part about that is some guy would buy it and then he, 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 he'd uh, return it to Amazon and get a refund. And I go, how dare you? You oh, know, no. you, you would be a multiple reason to yeah. return it. Yeah. <laughs> Two hours to make that man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's the reason why it's so dense. And, and, People seem to love it. You know, I think once you get used to the density of it, it doesn't rub off on your hand as much, which is a good thing because if you put too much yeah. chalk on your hand, it gets slick. Um, but also you can drop it into a chalk bucket. You can chalk your buddy's back with it. It's more. You may be onto something smart. with that. That's, there uh, we go. Well, because I mean, like that also helps that meets too, because I mean, one of the biggest two, I'd say one of the two biggest um issues that you see is uh meat directors uh being like hey guys like please 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 we're renting the facility do not just like dump your chalk all over the ground they put like plastic tarps because that stuff just gets everywhere if you could figure out a way to make baby powder uh more a better like a better applicable on your on your legs without like messing up the entire ground that i mean you've already done it with chalk if you could do a baby powder that'd be great yeah we could totally do it with baby powder absolutely i could do it no problem Heck yeah, but you got to call it something like hardcore. Like you got to call it like man powder, man powder, yeah. deadlift yeah, powder. It's, it's a devil's dandruff, you know. Devil's. Oh my god, <laughs> that I gotta is, cut that, that is a great podcast. name. I gotta cut. Good, you're, you already had that, James. You already had that. Okay, yeah. I don't want to give too much of the secrets away. You know what's funny though, uh, James? What is a chalk monster? What is a chalk monster? What is a chalk monster? 
for those uh, who may not know. A guy that uses too much chalk, I guess, and spreads it all over the place. Because you talked about how the, 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 the block you have is so perfectly, like it, it, you can apply without having to go overboard. Would you say that people are putting too much, chalks, uh, too much chalk on their hands when they're going for a lift? Is there yeah, such so, thing as too much? Yeah, so in power, powerlifting, right? Like I come from a CrossFit background on a CrossFit gym for 10 years. Powerlifting, deadlift, bench, and squat. I didn't. I never got into uh, the deadlift, bench, and squat thing other than like to get my one rep maxes up for CrossFit, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did some Olympic weightlifting, so I did the clean and the snatch, uh, the clean and jerk and the snatch. And so uh, I don't know as much about powerlifting as far as meets. I've been to a few of them. The A7 guys are always there. They're from Atlanta as well, so we know those guys. Um, yeah. It's funny when they were getting started, we were getting started. So it'd be like, I'd be selling chalk and he'd be selling t-shirts like right next to each other. We're both in Atlanta, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So uh, I, I don't go to a lot of powerlifting competitions, so I can't say, I do know that in the pictures that y'all post, every time I see a powerlifting guy post a picture, it's like he's dipping his t-shirt in chalk. I just think it's hilarious. I'm like, why do you need bench press? Uh, for bench press, why do you need chalk on your chest? <laughs> Is the bar like flipping this. off your I'll, pecs or something? Yeah. I don't know that in, in the meet, when I'm going for a bench, I've, my coaches also chalk my butt. I don't know why. I don't know why, but um, <laughs> kind of like it. Kind of like it, you know? We're kind of superstitious yeah, but, about, you know, like we don't want to get called for anything, like anything. any body parts like coming up. So we get superstitious. So we want to make sure we're super glued to the bench yeah. pad. <laughs> Yeah, and you probably don't want to go to a meet anyways. Like, much rather go to a CrossFit meet than go to a powerlifting meet, just because powerlifting meets are kind of like going to the DMV, where the CrossFit meet that's kind of like going to like a, a it's rally. Like NASCAR. Yeah, it's, kinda, it's, it's like NASCAR. Not, it's not for everybody, but it's way more exciting than going to the DMV. I'm gonna be honest about that. And every power, every powerlifter knows that's why we have to do so many crazy edits to make the lifts that we do uh, seem pretty interesting. But so. So I will say on the CrossFit side of things, this is my thoughts on, on the CrossFit. Uh, I also owned a, a business called the Atlanta Affiliate League. We did competitions for 10 years in Atlanta. COVID kind of squashed that because I didn't really want to get together with a big group of people and everyone wearing masks and me having to worry about the legality of people with COVID. Oh, showing yeah, up. So I, just, I just squashed it. But for 10 years, we ran very large, very large CrossFit competitions in Atlanta. And in Atlanta, we have 238 CrossFit gyms in Atlanta. Last time I did a search, which was like two or three years ago. So out of 238 gyms, it's not hard to get a bunch of people together. I mean, you just send a quick email out and say like, Hey, we're doing this team competition. And the next, thing you know, 400 people sign up. But, uh, I'd go to those things and we would put chalk in the bucket and I'm t- spider chalk once we did it. And we put a couple blocks in and we'd run a heat with like 10 teams. And then we'd run another heat with 10 teams. And I'd go you know, just quick chalk, uh, update. I'd walk around and look in the buckets and there's like this tiny pebble left. And I go, what in the, it's one workout, one, and you got a, a five ounce block of chalk. There's like an ounce and a half. Somebody used four ounces of chalk in a single workout. Think about that. There's, that's two blocks of chalk that you get from Dick's or Walmart. Those little square blocks that everybody uses with the paper around it. Someone oh, used yeah. two full blocks of that stuff in one single 20 minute workout. How does that, what are you eating it? You sniffing it? Like, how does that work? I just don't get it. I mean, it's it's, it's crazy. And I mean, of course we have plenty of chalk, but you know, I come from a background where it's like, if you put food on your plate, you eat all of it, you know, like, I I just can't imagine somebody like taking something (laughs) that, that five ounces of chalk and using so much of it that it's down to like a little pebble. And uh, so my wife, I was like, babe, what we're going to start doing is we're going to start 
like chipping our blocks in half and putting like half a block in each bucket. And that way, when they go up, when they get to that point where they're out, they just have to use sweaty hands. <laughs> like teach Dude. them a lesson. Oh, you want to do kipping pull-ups? Well, now you're flying off the bar, buddy, because you used it all in the first <laughs> Do you know, and, uh, do you guys the know The other one is CrossFit is notorious for this, man. You get guys and they'll do a bunch of push-ups and stuff and then they'll do some pull-ups. Then they go visit the chalk bucket. Then they do like three more pull-ups. And then they go visit the <laughs> chalk bucket. Yep. Then they'll walk over there and do one deadlift. And then they visit the chalk bucket. I'm going, you spent more time at the chalk bucket than you did working out. Right, but I got to like, re-up. Yeah. Re-up by the chalk mental, bucket. Uh, you know, it's just, it, it's like the water break or it's like their little mental break, you know, where they feel like they're being productive. You're not wasting time in a workout if you're over there chalking, even if you do it 400 nah. times in a workout. And, you know, <laughs> so I definitely think people use too much chalk and, uh, it's it's a lot harder with ours though. We got a bad review from one of this this guy that owns a Garage Gym's uh, blog. He said, "Hey, send me some chalk and I'll do a review." So I sent him I sent him some chalk and the oh, Garage Gym reviews. Um, no, I Not think those was, guys like us. I think it's I think it was another like a cool I think guy. It was another uh, Garage Gym guy, but he asked us to send him some chalk, so I did. And then he rips us, and I'm like, you know, what the hey, hell? bro, you know, send me that chalk back if you're gonna rip us. <laughs> yeah, give me that because you know, because you know, it's still in good condition too. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know, no kidding. Hey, then, send it back. I'll repackage it. And then what he said was, "Oh, I don't like it because I tried to rub it on my hand and I couldn't get a huge layer of chalk, which is true." But he said, "I like it. having you know a really thick layer of chalk on my hands before I work out." And yeah. that's what he wrote. So out of like five stars, he gave it two stars. It's probably still up on Google. If you just type in like spider chalk gym reviews or garage gym reviews, it probably comes up on Google. But like I wanted to write that guy an email and say, hey, listen, Bubba, you know, A, I sent you some free stuff. So you owe me a little bit for that. But B, you don't need that much chalk, man. Get off the chalk dependency. And to rip our chalk, like he didn't mention the purity. He didn't mention the density. He didn't mention anything positive about it. It It's just like, oh, I don't like it because it doesn't come off my hand like I want it to. Oh, dude, no. What the hell? Hey, guys. No, no, no. no. Then again, he's a a CrossFitter, so I kind of expect that from him. I haven't gotten a bad review yet from a power lifter. Dude, no, man, I'm That's the only review that's on your Google page? Nah, guys, come on. We got to, after this podcast, uh, we're finished. We're going and we're going to leave some reviews on that because right now it's only a one star review. That's, that's, that's bullshit. No. Yeah. All right, we're going to, we're going to fix it. The guy that. sounds like he doesn't even know how to use chalk. Like, why would you need extra chalk, which, which makes it more slippery? Like, right. that's, that's, yeah. It sounds like the guy who didn't like progressive overload Dallas. This is a gym over here in Dallas that uh, he left a review on their page and said, um, never been here, but I don't like leave it. a one like, star review. The, leave a one star. Get out of here, dude. <laughs> you should be able to filter on Google by reviews from idiots. <laughs> yeah. This guy's a Yeah. <laughs> like just out. use like an, use like an AI to like go through their, their history of reviews and like, make an assumption based off of uh, their previous posts. But yeah, dude, that sucks. Yeah. You know, but, but, but if you get big enough and thank God we're at the point where we are big enough, we do get a lot of bad reviews. I mean, I'm not going to lie. We get a lot of bad reviews. That's because we get a lot of reviews, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, there's days when I don't keep tabs on it very often, but occasionally I'll go and I'll check and I'll say like, what is this? You know, this guy's like this. uh, We just had a girl leave a review the other day on our liquid chalk. She said, I washed my hands like three times and it didn't come off. One star. Good. Okay. I thought that might be the best bad review I've ever gotten. You know, (laughs) you could deadlift underwater. She like takes a picture of it and it has chalk all over her hand. And and I, I I tried to hit reply. 
And I wanted to say, hey, next time try using soap. But then I was like, ah, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Hey, man. I would Probably just a dirty person, let's be honest. But Create uh, a fake account. <laughs> that's like, don't need to. Someone will screenshot that, stick it up on Twitter. Next thing you know, I'll be a jerk and no one will want to buy our chalk and everyone, all the people will hate us. So you got to be really careful about what you put on the internet. We're very, I'm very careful about what oh, I write absolutely. on Facebook and Twitter because people will screenshot that. Mm-hmm. And man, mm-hmm. they'll blast it out to their little network. And then like somebody gets pissy about it. You have to be super careful. And emails too. Guys will write me and they'll say like bad stuff. You know, oh, we hate spider chalk. And that's the worst chalk I've ever used in my life. And I want my money back. And I go, well, what'd you get? And they go, I got this $8 bottle of liquor. You want $8 back, man? (laughs) I'll give you 10. Okay, here's your refund, dude. But What I do like uh, though is that I like that as far as like every every brand that exists, you know, you don't really, there's no no face to the, you know, the the higher ups and you kind of just... You buy it because it exists. You don't really think about it. Like what I really enjoyed about the spider st- the the fuck the spider chalk story is that um, it, throughout the entire process, you've mentioned your family. You've mentioned how you and your wife, you know, were working and spent months of your lives trying to get this right. You mentioned how you had the gym, and then it was for the people at your gym in order to kind of fix a problem that you identified. And um, on that blog, you even have a picture of your son holding the original eight ounce bottle that you were talking about that liquid. Uh, the original liquid chalk and then you even go as far to say that in 2019 when you started you know making a little bit more that you improved the process for your workers and paid them a fair wage like there's so much community behind the brand it's not just like yeah we wanted to make cool chalk because we wanted to be cool like no like the whole thing is that you identified a problem that you could fix doing it homegrown in america for the people in your community and for your family. Like, dude, like in and of itself, that should be enough uh, for most people to, to want to support the brand. Yeah. So right now, uh, interesting you mentioned that right now we're on a hiring spree. We've been on a hiring spree for several months. We're paying $20 an hour, pay weekly, and uh, we don't take taxes out. So you get the full $20 cash per hour every week. And people say like, oh, that's not that crazy. I live in Georgia. Dude, twenty an hour. The average, yeah. the average price in Georgia is paying seven twenty five or seven fifty an hour minus taxes. Chick fil A down the street. We got fifty workers at Chick fil A. The Chick fil A across from my house. They're paying like seven fifty, seven seventy five. I think if you got seniority, you get eight twenty five minus taxes. What's Dude. your paycheck look like at the end of the week? There, one hundred and forty dollars. I mean, it's just it's sad. And uh, the cost of living here is so crazy low. I mean, I grew up in Georgia. I went to University of Georgia. I love it down here. I just I've been all over the country. I've been all over the world. I backpacked through uh, uh, through South America. I backpacked through uh, uh, New Zealand. So I've been to all these places. I've been to every province of Canada. Uh, I've been to like forty two states. I love Georgia. The cost of living here is great. I love the people down here. But uh, a living wage in Georgia is going to sound crazy, but it's like 15 bucks an hour. If you can make $15 an hour in Georgia and you live rural, I don't mean live in downtown Atlanta where you got to pay, you know, 1800 bucks a month in rent. But if you live in rural parts of Georgia, anybody making over 10 to 12 bucks an hour is sitting pretty up here. Unless you have like a white collar college degree with a master's or a PhD. And then those guys want to make, you know, 65, 70,000 a year. So all that to say that at $20 an hour, we're more than double what everybody else is offering, way more than double what everyone else is offering. We can't find workers. That's the reason why we're going to push for automation. I 
wrote a blog post a long time ago that said, I don't believe in automation. I believe in supporting American companies. If we need to hire 50 people, we'll hire 50 people. It might Mm -hmm. cost me more money, but I'm okay with that because that money pays for the people in our community who then spend that money back into our community, right? So they're supporting the restaurants and the businesses. And we coach soccer. My wife and I coach soccer. She had a team. I had a team. So we know all the kids in our, in our uh, county, in our city. We know all the teachers. We know most of the people were on a church softball team. So we know all the churches around our area. So we're pretty plugged into the community. I'd much rather hire 50 or 60 people from my community. All these kids that are on my soccer team, you know, they have older brothers and they have fathers and mothers. I'm like, come work for me. Come work for me. $20 an hour cash, weekly paychecks. So you don't have to try to like finance yourself, you know, and we can't get enough workers. So it's really sad, you know, and uh, I think we're at that point where like as much as I want it to happen, I can't I can't make it happen. Right. I can't make people come work for me. Yeah. So we're going to have to do the automation thing. And I've resisted it for so long. And then maybe about a month ago, I finally had a conversation with my wife and said, babe, I think like we're at the point where I got to do it, you know? And she goes, I thought you said you'd never do it. I said, well, you know, I didn't think I'd ever do it, but I think we're at that point where we have to do it. If we're going to grow and we're going to scale, we're going to have to do the robots thing. And uh, I hate that because you're right. I care about the community and I care about more than the money. We don't make a lot of money in spider chalk. We don't. And, uh, there are, there are things that I could do right now that would make way more money than what I'm doing right now. But I love it. It's fun. And uh, I think it's super cool. And I would think it would even cooler if I could get all these people in the community to come work for me at $20 an hour. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's a little bit disappointing. That's, that's something that like, is, has weighed on me a lot lately is the fact that like, we're going to have to forsake the community and go hire a bunch of robots and, and lease these things out in order to run this business the way it's supposed to be run. But I will say that over the last five years, uh, we have had a lot of employees and they've made a lot of money and they've been very happy. So uh, I don't regret a minute of it. We could have gone automation five years ago, but we, we decided against it. And I think that uh, we've, we've helped a lot of people in the process. Yeah, it's still manufactured in the USA though, which is still right. helping the community in some indirect way. Uh, yeah. Still having, still having a stay homegrown. And honestly, you know, your passion comes through in everything you're saying. And and like we talked about off before we started and how we kind of got into meeting was when we sent the kind of the feelers out to different different companies that we thought would align with the, with the podcast. We sent one to Spider Chuck because we had heard uh, so many good things about it. And like your immediate response and interest in the podcast and wanting to know more about what we were doing and, and this and that. And, you know, and generous enough to send us some some samples that we were immediately wanting to show with our with our audience. Like um, not many, not many brands do that. You know who um, when you speak, it kind of reminds me of somebody who is local here that we think that makes me think of um, the owner of Metroflex Fort Worth, Randy De La Cruz. Um, And I don't know why I just feel like you if you came down uh, to Fort Worth. Uh, if you were ever in the area, you'd have to meet him because very similar mindsets when it comes to uh, community and when it comes to business. And uh, not only that, but he'd probably be a really good customer because that man mm-hmm. goes through chalk. Oh yeah, he like destroys it's chalk. Going blocks. out of style. I've seen people take chalk blocks in his butt and like bust it on their heads. Um, <laughs> I think they'd get a concussion with spider chalk, dude. <laughs> yeah, we have these. This is one of my favorite things. Do y'all know what ASMR is? The little people oh, that yeah. have the, uh, they yeah, love yeah. the sounds. Yes. Clicking All on right. the, So yeah. ASMR stuff is pretty funny. You know, I used to listen to those things. And I, after about 30 seconds, I'm like bored out of my mind. I'm like, what's this do for you? But I, I don't I don't have the <laughs> little gene that, that people have, I guess, that, that get into that. But <laughs> anyway, 
<laughs> if you go to YouTube and you type in spider chalk ASMR, there's like three or four videos of women going, uh, like grunting while they crush it. <laughs> it totally ruins it because it's supposed to be this headphone experience. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be like this nice, soft, crunchy sound. You can hear people, women grunting uh, as they try to crush it. We get horrible reviews from the ASMR women because they always email me and they go, I bought your chalk and I was so excited. And then I, my hands are killing me and I couldn't even crush it up. And I was grunting on the camera and had to cut it. And we trashed that video. <laughs> like, he's right. <laughs> so I said, well, you know, I mean, uh, it's not for you. It's, it's for athletes. I mean, that's why <laughs> we don't make it for ASMR. I mean, we make it for athletes. But it always cracks me up that, that like the ASMR people have such a hard time crushing it. It's, it's typically Can you hear female, that? <laughs> and uh, they can't break these blocks. And the videos just crack me up. We post them on our Instagram occasionally just because I think it's great to watch people try to break them and be unable to break them oh, yeah you know and that was back when we had the five ounce blocks I'm, I'm, I'm like tempted to give out one free block to every asmr girl on youtube just if they promise to send me the video for free and get them grunting trying Gosh, to break these I'm not, listen to this listen to this yeah. <laughs> hey, it sounds uh, like it sounds like a ford pickup truck being backed into a a, a brick wall dude that sounds like so so yeah. hard uh, I got some questions for you guys. If you got a couple oh, minutes, yes, yeah, for sure, sure man. Please. Let's let's Shoot. have it. Let's have it. All right. First question: What do you guys do for cardio? Um, uh, I walk my dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like, well, actually, no. They they walk me because I can't I can't keep up. So what are your dogs do. again, Josh? I have a Doberman and a a little wiener dog. Little schnauzer, yeah. little wiener, a little dashu. Oh, that little wiener, a little wiener dog. Sorry, yeah, sorry. yeah. I, I go to my <laughs> mailbox and come back. <laughs> Wait, no, God, no. And that's those sets of ten on deadlifts. Um, I, I started doing uh, jump rope. I, I, uh, I, I enjoy how hard it is and how simple it should be. Uh, the coordination piece of it, but honestly, that's about that's about the extent of my cardio right now. I'm probably gonna die a really young age. <laughs> No, to, to be yeah. To be honest, I, I try to do ten minute walks. I, I try to walk at least, at least get like ten ten thousand steps a day at least. Is that cardio or is that I mean, just, that's not cardio, that's just, but it's, that's just general human being. Yeah, so. General, yeah. <laughs> general human function. <laughs> that's like when people say, like, "Oh, I try to drink water." Is like, yeah, you just try to if, you know give your body basic stuff. You know? If we did have um, an air bike at the gym, I would use that. I do yeah. want to invest in an air bike over here whenever it's all built out. Like, I want to get the piece of... Well, James, I want to get your opinion on this. If I had for space efficiency, I'm I'm thinking a stationary bike would probably be the best bet, best bang for my buck um, as far as cardio equipment is concerned. What do you recommend? I like those uh, air assault bikes or air dynes that are the ones where you got the hands that go back and forth and then it's got the fan in it, you know? That's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. biggest torture device on the planet. I mean, you, you spend a couple minutes on that thing going hard and you know, your heart rate goes to 220 and then you puke and and then you oh, realize like oh, you thought it was 30 Sounds minutes, like but it only been 60 seconds. This is one yeah. of the things we do in CrossFit a lot. <laughs> when they came out with that little thing, it was a game changer because the rower, we, we obviously do a lot of rowing in CrossFit and uh, I'm six foot two with a really long wingspan. So when I, when I reach forward, I can do a really long pull on the rower and it's yeah. honestly a rest for me. Like anytime there's a CrossFit workout with a row in it, um, that's my rest period. So I'll do the pull-ups and the thrusters and the squats and the power cleans. And then, oh, thank God, it's the row. And then I get on the row and I can row really fast. And, I, and I'm actually recovering while I do that. 
nobody recovers on an airdyne. I don't care who you are. Nobody recovers on an airdyne. <laughs> it just doesn't. Pulling it up now. Getting you know, the aerosol bike. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, all right. So, hey, uh, conventional deadlift or sumo deadlift? Oh, no. Oh, man. Oh, okay, no. here we go. I didn't know we were going to start <laughs> talking about politics. Coming, right? oh, I, didn't know we, I didn't know we were going to get into the whole politics yeah. situation. All right. Who wants to sumo? go first? There we go. Okay. Uh, now, go, go ahead and give your wrong answer real quick. What was um, it? My wrong answer? My wrong answer oh. is... Oh, con- conventional! Oh. Get out of here! Get out of here! So, Anas, why do you why do you say sumo? Why sumo over conventional? Because you because you're stronger sumo. Yeah, I'm trying to deadlift as much weight as possible, so I'm trying to do whatever stance is stronger. I just think that okay, yeah, whatever. You're right, technically, but um, aesthetically, I just think conventional looks better. You got the stacked joints. You got everything. Like you, you, for me, okay, yeah, I am stronger conventional, whatever, but. Um, it just looks a lot cleaner. It's like the difference between high bar and low bar. Sure, you're stronger at low bar, but high bar just looks uh, more like you like you're athletic. I, I, well, the, the only thing I think with conventional versus sumo is people think that if they go from if someone deadlifts conventional the whole time and they just switch it to sumo, like they'll instantly gain like a hundred pounds on their on their deadlift, which is which is yeah. which is not the case. Brendan Lilly right. said that I remember when he when he tore his quad in the meet and he was like I had to switch immediately and I ended up being stronger. Well, I was like, yeah, but you were also on some stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you guys ever used an Oki bar? Yes. An Oki yes. bar? What? Yes, yes. We had. I, I don't know the difference between an Oki bar and a regular bar. Can someone tell me? Uh, it's like a deadlift bar. Yeah, yeah, deadlift bar. That's what it. So it's basically just a thinner bar with more bend in it. Because you have you have a Texas power, a Texas deadlift bar, and you have an Ohio deadlift bar, and you have like an Oki bar. And they're they're all about this. They're very similar. James, so, do you use Oki so bars? An Oki bar, right? We had a powerlifting gym. I trained there for a little while. When I'm across the gym, he went to my place. I went to his place. So he got a membership. I got a membership. And and he right. said, "What's your deadlift?" I said, "490." He said, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you over 500." And I said, "Well, you know, I haven't been training as hard." He goes, "No, trust me." So he pulls out this Oki bar, 500 pounds, just comes off the floor like nothing. And he goes, this joker is like eight feet wide. The sleeves are really long. The tensile strength is really low. So by the time you pull from the middle, you're getting like three inches for free. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so that's why he said, like, if you ever want to come over here and use this bar for deadlift. I was like, yeah, but then I go to a normal gym and, you know, I have to use a regular bar. So anyway, Oki bars are really rare. I tried to get one at the time. No one sold them. They were really expensive. The ones that did exist. And a lot of more secondhand. Um, but yeah, I know a lot of powerlifters, they'll they'll sneakily use it on one rep max day. So they'll train with a regular conventional, uh, you know, Olympic bar or power bar mm-hmm. and Texas power bar. And then on one rep max day, they suddenly go into the closet and dust off the Oki bar and like put another 20, 30 pounds on there. <laughs> yeah, go to a, go to a meet and then you just, slyly, you just slyly push away the power bar that's on the ground and then you pull the Oki bar out of your singlet. Um, you know, in kind of a one fell swoop kind of situation, you just kind of more pounds. That's why you need cheap chalk, just so that you can kind of create a a dust cloud, so no one can see you switching out the bars. Yeah, they should have a chalk blower, right, where it grinds up the chalk and it's got a little fan in it, and then you put your block (laughs) in and it just just shoots it all over the room and some lights and some music. That would really pump up the powerlifting, uh, the powerlifting meets. You know, if you had something like that. light show some not smoke it's got to be chalk you know it's got to be chalk but yeah you that, that yeah we cool. call we call those uspa meets USP. <laughs> <laughs> cool. yeah well, and uh the, the other thing is what i wish they did at powerlifting was i wish they had like 
you know, I don't know, cheerleaders or like a guy with a towel, a hype man or something. Because CrossFit, when you go to a CrossFit competition, it's like freaking rowdy. There's like hundreds of people screaming and yelling right in front of everybody's face. So like you're doing your thrusters and there's this girl three feet from you. It's like screaming and hollering, you know, and, and so it's like a lot of energy. When I go to the powerlifting meet, it seems like everyone's sitting in chairs oh, watching. Yeah, yeah. Only, you know, only like about they really need like a hype man up there or some cheerleaders, something to like bring the energy up, you know? Closest I know people get crazy and stuff, but they yeah. got a long way to go to make that thing like TV worthy. Like if ESPN is going to pick up powerlifting, <laughs> it needs a total facelift. The closest thing we have to, cheer, to a cheerleader, uh, I would say, is uh, Gino, who's a who's – a, that. He's he's a national and international level announcer. He's he's kind of like a pirate, um, which doesn't make much sense. I never understood that. So I agree with you. I don't think I don't think powerlifting is a spectator sport. I do like how CrossFit incorporates um, movement. You got to like look around and you got to kind of see what's going on. Oh, that person's over there. Like it's almost like a race. Um, people say what they will about CrossFit. Like oh, it's you bad form and whatever, whatever. Like. CrossFit really knows how to market to a spectator audience. They do. They absolutely do. Heck yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of downsides of CrossFit. I mean, having owned, I owned two of them uh, for 10 years and did those competitions. So, I mean, I have, uh, I had strong opinions on CrossFit. I'm, 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 I'm not as gung ho about it as a lot of people. I think when you've been in it for a really long time and you're exposed to powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting, you start to see with some balance, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's, it's, you, I can, I can look at it objectively and I can criticize parts of CrossFit without being a CrossFit hater. I don't hate CrossFit, but there's definitely a lot of things about it that I think is like kind of wacky. Oh, dude, same, know? same. Powerlifting, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, there's some, there's so many like people who are just like diehard, um, almost like fanatics of the sport. Where it's like, yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, you're not getting, you like it a lot, and it's really fun. But like, don't make it your identity, and you're not getting paid. And uh, at the end of the day, you still have to be a good person. You still got to be a, a person who can go to a restaurant or anywhere else with other normal people and not, <laughs> not just talk about your one rep max. Right. Do you, are you, are you guys suited or unsuited when you compete? Oh, we, we all compete raw. We don't use raw. suits. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Josh, Josh wow. looks in a thong actually. He doesn't even use underwear. He's <laughs> yeah. just completely Squat naked. I would try, <laughs> I've tried equipment. I have actually, I have a bench shirt in my, in my trunk of my car that I kind of a, was given just, uh, one time at the gym, but and I, I've put it on a few times. I actually, um, James, I actually messed up my comp, uh, my comp prep. Oh, and I used to be my coach, and uh, a week before my meet, I actually put on a squat suit for the first time, trying to go 120 percent over my squat max because I figured <laughs> Nas may bring this up, but um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I guess you could say I, you know, we, we've we've tried it, we've dabbled. Yeah. All right, so uh, you, you mentioned high bar, high bar, high bar, low bar, box squat. What, what do you guys do like the majority of the time? Because in CrossFit, we made our people do high bar one day, low bar one day, and then we made them do box squats on like recovery days because it's like a West Side barbell type thing, you know, like a conjugate method deals. What, what do you guys do most of the time? Oh, man, like we just I, I just low bar squat. I mean, if it's if it's out of a competition like prep, I'll mess around with like a high bar squat. But in in comp prep, it's usually exclusively low bar. For me, yeah. If it's it, it the answer, the short answer is high bar. The long answer is it depends because I like high bar because I can I can hit it for like reps 
in multiple days and I can get a good amount of volume in without having to worry about recovery because low bar it really taxes me um yeah. as far as like my shoulder mobility is concerned and just having like tendonitis in my elbows every now and again if i don't warm up correctly so i i keep that in my back pocket as kind of my comp movement but for general training just to get my legs under some under some iron high bar is the way to go mm. yeah i mean for me generally i mean it depends on the goal for the block like for this training cycle um but for me, like most of the time, the goal is just to get stronger on my low bar squat. So I'm usually doing more low bar squatting. So I currently squat three times a week and two of them um, are low bar days. And the middle day, which is like the recovery easier day is a high bar day. Um, but yeah, the goal is always for me to kind of get my low bar squat up. Like the more specific it is for powerlifting, because like we're not doing as many movements, we're only squatting, benching, deadlifting, and you're we're doing low bar squatting like most of the time. So we're gonna do like for someone who's trying to be as competitive as possible, like you're probably gonna be doing more low bar squatting than anything else. Yeah, and James, you gotta understand between the three of us, Anas is the most competitively. Um, he's the most competitive of of us as far as like uh, who takes someone who actually. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he actually is a is a really impressive lifter. Um, he's won multiple like best lifter awards. He has. He was invited down to a meet uh, in Houston for um, what was that? What was it called? Anasty um, Texas Barbell Syndicate. Yeah, Texas Barbell Syndicate. But what was the name of the meet? Uh, what are you talking about the prime time? Yeah, the, prime in, time. the invite meet. Yeah, it was like invite only. So, yeah, that's why that's why his his answers are going to be very specific towards like his his lifting because there's not going to be much much deviation that he needs to take because you know it's just trying to lift the most weight with the shortest distance um to all comp right, standard. All right. Well well here's here's the CrossFit philosophy that I bought into and I still buy into it. I I started CrossFit because I play sports so much. Started playing volleyball when I was twelve years old, two sand volleyball. Um and, and I played my whole life. Super competitive. I played grass volleyball, indoor volleyball. Really big into pickleball, which just sounds like a goofy sport, but it's actually really intense when you play with young people. If you watch the pros, they're just incredible. The the speed, the quickness, the accuracy uh, tennis, rock climbing, wakeboarding. I mean, I played basketball my whole life growing up, played baseball my whole life growing up. So when I found out about CrossFit, the reason they convinced me to do it was because they said, any time you can vary the exercises that you do, it makes you better overall. For instance, if you're a rock climber and you're climbing rocks, most rock climbers, when they go to the gym, they focus on like three exercises and it mimics rock climbing. But then someone had this idea that said, well, why don't we do push-ups? Why don't we do flies? You know, why don't we do uh, uh, back extensions on the GHD ham on the on the glute ham developer? Ooh, and they said, well, "Why would I do any of that crap?" Right? I don't do that when I rock climb. But the guys that did that suddenly started climbing better, right? So they started incorporating squats. But wait, climbers don't need heavy legs, right? You don't want heavy legs. You want like skin and bone because now you got to pull that up up a up a rock. But yet the guys that did squats and deadlifts suddenly started climbing better. No one could really explain it. And what they kind of figured out, and there's this, there's this underground philosophy with CrossFit, and the guys that did the, the movie 300 also believe in, it's called Jim Jones, is that the human body is one, right? You want to get better at squatting, you got to do lunges, you got to do uh, you know glute hip thrusts, you got to do uh, front squat, you got to do low bar, high bar. You know, Charles Polkin, another guy, he'd have them do all sorts of silly nonsense where he'd like wrap a rubber band around their toe and have them do like tibia exercises, you know? And yet somehow these guys got like freakishly strong doing that crap. 
And uh, so I kind of bought into that. And I was like, you know what? If I want to get good at squats, back squats, low bar back squats, I'm going to do front squats. I'm going to do box squats. I'm going to do high bar. And then like over time, right, like wide legs, narrow legs, elevate the heel. Um, so all that stuff. What do you think about that? Like when you go to when you go to train for a powerlifting meet on bench, do you do incline, decline, dumbbells, all that thinking that like it's going to make me better? Have you thought about that? Does anybody thought about that? Does anyone train like that? Does it and oh, does yeah. it produce results for powerlifting? Yeah, for sure. Variation is uh, it again. Long answer is it depends. Short answer is yeah, absolutely. Variation has become well. Damn it. So, so many people have kind of, we've talked about it in the podcast and us, you'll, you'll definitely have something to say to this, but the, the, the paradigm and the, and the, the, the mentality that lifters have had have been more of kind of like a return to the basics because so many people historically in powerlifting have put emphasis on, uh, different methodologies, me- different methodologies of training. You've seen like conjugate, uh, where it's kind of like a Louis Simmons West Side situation where they're using a lot of uh, bands and chains and, and speed work and, and they, they break down the lifts into different types of components as opposed to um, just performing the lifts over and over again, kind of just under practice, where that's become more popular now as people just kind of focusing on the, on the, the basics and doing them, trying to perfect them as much as possible. But I think and I know that uh, the, the variation uh, regarding different muscles, um, different motor patterns, doing things uh, like prehab at the end or at the beginning of your workouts uh, is a very popular way of training within the powerlifting community because we see a lot of athletes from other sports coming in and bringing that knowledge with them. And especially now because PT and chiropractic um, has become so apparent in the powerlifting community as far as like people who do that as a profession that it's bleeding in as well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it does, the variations do play, um, they could definitely help and they could, um, there's always like a place and time for them. Um, but I mean, like every, every person has a limited amount of recovery. So if you use your resources on things that are not, not specific to the, uh, to your low bar squats or your competition squat, um, you start getting good at stuff like, uh, if you do a lot of box squats you start getting good at box squats and that doesn't necessarily mean every pound you every pound of strength you get on your box squat doesn't usually tr- translate into one pound into local yes. squats right um so you i mean i think they they have have a place but as long as you can get um your low bar um your low like your competition style work in and if you can supplement with other stuff that can that can definitely help but um, I wouldn't, uh, so I wouldn't change my low bar squats, my competition uh, squats to something super unspecific. Because um, whenever you get too far, too far away from your competition, uh, competition lift, the 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 transfer would be a lot lower. If that makes sense. Like mm. if you do, yes, yes. Um, like if you do like a like a high bar with bands on a box, like how how much transfer is this lift? Uh, giving me to my low bar squat but if you if you do like a set of three on your squats and like that increases that's more you, you'll know that your one rep max increase on your low bar squat that transfer is a lot higher um, right but yeah, yeah. i think i it, like i like the mike to sure way of looking at it too where you look at like the main movement 
And then when it comes to your variations, just try to take one piece of the main movement and change it. Like if you're looking at bench, if you're gen- if you're going to try to do a variation of that, don't try to do incline banded with uh, accommodating <laughs> resistance. Like try to try to take take one variable away from the the pure movement, like to the flat bench. Just try to take one variable and change it. Maybe just increase the incline. Okay, there you go. Maybe don't go further than two. So you could do like an incline dumbbell. Um, and that's not a hard set rule, but like, that's a rule of thumb that uh, Mike Desher was always mentioning. Mm-hmm. Like it made me think of program designing in a more, uh, like empirical way where I'm just like, okay, yeah. So I don't have to think about like this crazy movement of trying to balance two dumbbells on a medicine ball while I'm, uh, yeah. you know, reading the Kama Sutra or something like that. You know, I would, yeah. I would say this, like with, with those variables, you'll get, um, more movement options, like more movement variability, that can help you move on your low bar squats a little bit more comfortably, which can transfer into a bigger squat. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, that- yeah. But, uh, so that, that's why I spend like about 10 hours a week on the BOSU ball. Cause it really seems to translate over into my, into my softball and my, I'm kidding. The BOSU ball is trash. <laughs> I, Dude, I didn't want to disrespect you, Jay. I was going to say, I don't know what he's going, but I'm going to let him, he's got, he's got some knowledge <laughs> under his belt. I'm going to see what he's got to say about the BOSU ball. Um, <laughs> You know, the funny thing about the BOSU ball is that that thing, everyone knows about it and they know how stupid it is. It's the little half rubber ball for people that don't know. It's got like a little plastic ring around it. It's like, it's like a half, uh, a half ball, yeah. right? You know, I see a lot of women on there in, in the gym and they're trying to do squats on it and their knees are shaking. And I've seen CrossFit people try to do push-ups on it and all sorts of silliness. It's like a Billy Bow tie banks kind of thing. Um, it was <laughs> oh. real big back in the 2000s. I'm, I'm an old guy. I'm 40. So I remember all these things. I remember but now doing that. here's, here's the crazy school. thing. The Bosu ball is like the butt of a joke. So is the shake weight. If you guys remember the shake weight, yep. everyone's, oh, the shake weight, right? That was a big butt of the joke. There's like so many now. There's 50 of them, right? There's 50 different things now that every gym has that I walk in and I go, what is all this nonsense? Where's the squat rack? You know, I mean, the gyms are under so much pressure now to buy up all these gimmicks. You know, back in 2004, it was the Bosu ball. Every gym went out and bought that. Now there's like 50 different things. I mean, you could have a whole room in your gym just dedicated to like gimmicks, just little like shake weights and and dumb stuff like that. Waste that, of space. Uh, the gyms are, are piling on. And uh, and people, they hook, line, and sinker, man. Like we had the same problem at my CrossFit gym. You know, we, we stuck to the basics. We did cleans, jerks, deadlifts, squats. We did high bar, low bar, and box squat. But I'm just saying, you know, we did a lot of the major lifts and, and we lifted five days a week. And there was always some knucklehead that came in that was like, you know, I saw this this air restriction mask. I think that you should oh, buy that for the whole gym. We should all buy these air restriction masks because it really increases your your blood oxygen level. And, and I'm going, listen, dude, you back squat like 225 as a full grown man. <laughs> you don't need you don't need an oxygen mask. You know, I was like, you need to get your deadlift past one plate. I'm triggered. You know, yeah. Let's let's start there, and then if you get to the point where you know where you can lift three times your body weight, then we'll talk about the oxygen mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it made me think of like you're right, man. Like people do, they love spending time on things, but there's always that excuse, right? Like, if I do the Bosu ball, it's going to make me better at bench. Got Next to. thing you know, they're a Bosu ball expert, right? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and they still can't bench. Um, all right, so one last question. I'm I do the carnivore diet, which means I only eat meat. 
Oh, hell nice. Yeah. Nice. What do you what do you guys what do you okay. guys uh, what's your cuz I know powerlifters man, right? You got to do it. What are you eating? Dude, you're a real man. Uh so let me let me say the meme answer. And the meme answer is um <laughs> nothing but fair life. <laughs> yeah, we we live and swear food. by fair life. Fair life milk. Like people powerlifters <laughs> saw that video. I don't know if you saw it circulated around in social media where like the cows were treated very badly on the Fairlife Arms, and in every single powerlifter collectively let out, like, the biggest, oh, no, not Fairlife, because, like, digests easily. It's it's almost, it's like, they say it's, like, ultra-purified or whatever. Um, yeah. That's that's the meme answer, but honestly, like, um, it's, it's I, for me... It's a spider chalk of milk. It's the spider <laughs> chalk of milk. Fairlife, if you're not, if you, oh, the next meet, okay, so there's a meet coming up in a few weeks. Um, down here in Dallas, uh, the Europa, uh, it's a pretty big meet. And it's a fitness expo too. I'm going to take with me Fairlife and Spider Chalk. And if anybody who's listening to this episode right now asks me for one of the two, you may get some. But um, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty intuitive eater. I don't necessarily gravitate uh, towards one diet or the other. I tried the whole vertical diet by Stan Efforting for a while. but Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and I really liked it as far as, cause I, one of the biggest things for me is, um, like digestive health and making sure that everything goes, everything goes smoothly and you don't get any sort of wasted energy, uh, that you're consuming. So I just try to stick to whole foods. Like, shoot, I got some big ass carrots I'll snack on, uh, here and there. And like, I got just, I always got meat thawed in the, in the fridge. So like, I pretty much stick to meat, vegetables and, and, uh, and grains. So yeah and in terms of your diet i mean as long it it all depends on your goal so if you're doing it to kind of you know retain mass and not try to get smaller then that's definitely the way to go you know so it and if it fits you know what you like to do and it's not too hard to get food in and you enjoy it then that's the point of what a diet should do for you it shouldn't feel like punishment so yeah exactly it should be just a lifestyle yeah it should just be part of your lifestyle so anis anis oh, oh yeah mine mine is i have like a goal um amount of protein carbs and fats to hit per day um and usually like whichever foods will give me like those um like that combination of the three like that's that's like so that's what i'm gonna do i'm usually like i'm pretty flexible Kind of like if if it's your macros, yeah. So I'm I'm trying to hit like 3,400 calories a day, and um, so like my carbs are pretty high. Like I'm eating like almost like 450 carbs a day. So um, I'll I'll get kind of messy with like a lot of sugar here, like a lot of different uh, sources of carbs. Um, but yeah, as long as I hit my my like those macros, like I'm not really too picky. As long and and hitting. Like getting two servings of veggies, like fruits, and mm-hmm. um, like my protein usually comes from some type of um, like one serving, like two or three servings of meat, uh, maybe some fair life. I'm, I'm the rest might, fair life. Yeah, I'm, I may supplement with some uh, whey protein. Well, yeah, yeah. We, uh, I think, I just try to prioritize protein. Like if I'm ever, if I'm in comp prep, then yeah, I'll, I'll whatever my body needs to, you know, be a, at peak performance i'll I'll prioritize at that point but like just for like maintenance i'll prioritize protein and try to keep everything else under a manageable load but yeah i'm just i i always the the carnivore diet what do you like do you have any trouble pooping none 
Dude, no. I love that. Oh, no, no, no. And uh, yeah, the carnivore diet is like the craziest thing I've ever done. I mean, I did uh, I did the vertical diet. So it's an evolution. I did paleo because that's what everybody in CrossFit does. It was like, yeah. okay. Um, I had struggles with energy on the paleo diet. I never really had enough energy. Of course, you're also doing like 20-minute high-intensity workouts with tons of weightlifting <sighs> beforehand. Sheesh, yeah. And you're doing that like six days a week. So you're just grinding. Um, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lean guy. So I stay like right around 10% body fat year-round. And, uh, and so, um, it's hard for me to get enough calories. So I also drink a, a crap load of milk. I mean, a half gallon a day is like, just getting me started. I mean, I can drink a full gallon in, in a day. Like it's nothing. Have you tried and, Fairlife? Uh, I've never had, I've never had Fairlife. No, oh I, God, I know dude, about it because it. I see it. And then I see the price below it. And that's, yeah, just, it's, that's, kinda, that's it's a little, it's a little um, expensive. It's a little expensive. I was on A2 for a while. Have you ever tried A2? No. Nope. What's that? Is that antibiotic? No. Nope. What? Is that oh, steroid you milk? Call yourself a milk drinker. A two <laughs> is like uh, it's it's you know there's the A one and the A two um, protein in milk. So A two is just the easier to digest version of it. A lot of people have an A one um, allergy and they don't know it, so they drink milk and they kind of feel fine. And then they drink A two, and all of a sudden a lot of these like kind of sinusy symptoms go away, and huh, some of the inflammation in their joints goes away, and they can trace it back to the A one protein in milk. So anyway, I went through an A two phase again, like at five something a, a half gallon. I mean, you're talking eleven dollars a gallon. Um, that starts to get pretty expensive. I got four kids. All those need shoes. Some of them need diapers. Uh, if it's the choice between diapers and, and really expensive milk, I got to go with diapers, but, uh, <laughs> you're a good dad. Yeah, the milk thing, like I'm really big on milk, man, because milk is so good for testosterone levels. Uh, it's so good recovery. It tastes delicious. I dream about it at night. Oh, and, damn. Uh, okay. Oh. In, in, so I gotta in get combination with stuff. meat, yeah. right? In combination yeah. with meat, that is a deadly combination man so i went from vertical diet to carnivore i still eat a little bit of rice right i want to eat a little bit of rice a lot of guys on the carnivore diet eat honey we raise bees so we have oh, our really? own honey That's but crazy. uh I, I don't really eat a lot of honey honestly i don't i don't i eat a lot of eggs i eat crap loads of meat and uh and i eat a tiny little bit of rice and then i drink milk and uh, i did it because this this may ha- not happen to you guys but I'd have those veggies for lunch, and then I'd go into the afternoon to the gym and clear the room. They're like, hey, get up. That's why I got to build my home gym, man. Yeah. Let me tell you, I, I, have, I have this little boombox player that I bring to the gym. It's like a little uh, like a little, um, uh, you know, thing that plays music. You know I'm talking about? One of those Bluetooth radio things. We call them boomboxes because I'm freaking old. But I, uh, I get yeah. a blaster. But <laughs> yeah, anyway, I um, what you mean. You know, I'd bring <laughs> the, the boom boom box. I'd bring it to the gym. And I'd set that thing up right next to my squat rack because I'd be squatting and I'd just be like ripping them. <laughs> and if I don't like, have that music playing, right, the whole room starts to look at me and go, it's like the walking farts. This guy is just they're ripping. Like, Damn. They're like, so, I don't know uh, how he so does it. So I finally it. said, He's I'm going to bring this radio farting. and I'm going to play this music just so like people can't hear me farting is the craziest thing. Damn, dude. And then I got off vegetables and guess what happened? It went away? No, um, no. Yeah, nothing. I'm good. Yeah. So it was like crazy, man. Like it's sweet potatoes. It was broccoli. It was salads. Like I started cutting out more and more stuff. Almonds. I mean, like all the healthy stuff that people tell you is good for you. But like for some reason, I just didn't really agree with me. So when I found out about the carnivore diet, I said, I'm going to do 30 days. Did it for 30 days. I also eat like 4,000, 4,500 calories a day. Uh, some of that comes from milk. Yeah. The rest of it comes from meat and fat, right? Because you're getting lots of fat. You eat high fat. Yep. Uh, you eat liver, but but you eat high fat, right? So you're going like wagyu beef, and and uh, you're doing like ribeyes and stuff because it's got a lot of fat in it. 
Good and, stuff. Uh, so that's how you get your calories in. But honestly, I felt a lot better and my muscle mass has gone up. My testosterone levels were already really high, but now they're even higher um, because of the amount of meat that I'm eating. So I don't know. It's like an interesting thing because if you had asked me like a year ago, like, what do you think about the carnivore diet? I'd have been like, what kind of a psychopath would, would do something like that? <laughs> you got to have vegetables. And then after I read the book, I was like, well, maybe you don't need vegetables like everybody thinks. You know, the studies that they present in the book were pretty convincing. And uh, since then, I've read a lot more about it. And like the more stuff that comes out lately is saying that for a lot of people, they don't really need vegetables. And I'm not against vegetables, but for me, I just think that uh, it works out really well. And I've gotten several people on the carnivore diet. And so far, everybody I've switched over has not switched back. I said, do it for 30 days and then go back to what you were eating. Every single person that has done it after 30 days kept with it. So what, what exactly do you eat besides, besides? Yeah. So in the morning, this I'll walk you through like a typical day. In the morning, I'm having like, you know, six to eight eggs. In that, I always put some kind of meat. I'm always putting like brisket or a pork shoulder. Um, obviously, I do bacon. So I'll put like four or five pieces of uh, a pork belly bacon, not the cheap stuff you get from the store, but like the legit like pork belly bacon. I have a deli slicer, so I'll slice that up. And uh, so I've got this huge puddle of grease from all my bacon. My eggs go in there. We raise chickens. So it's my eggs. We've got my eggs in there. Then we've got some type of brisket or some other type of uh, really good tasty meat in there. Ribs. I'll do ribs and, and then we'll pick off all the meat and then I'll put it in my eggs in the morning. And then, and then I do eat cheese because you can have hard cheeses, right? Because that's basically just milk. So I put a little bit of cheese in there. So that's my breakfast. A um, couple hours later, I have some milk and I usually have uh, a couple of hamburgers. So, uh, and the hamburgers I get are either 80, 20 or like 75, 25 because I want more fat. Uh, in the afternoon, I'll have a steak. And then for, at nighttime, I'll have, uh, which is either a tenderloin or a ribeye. Those are the two that I pick the most, tenderloin and ribeye. Oh, I don't man. do New York strips and, 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 and T-bones, even though I know a T-bone is a is, a, is I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and then at night, um, I'll do ribs, some kind of big pork shoulder, brisket, uh, some kind of like big thing that takes me a while to cook. So that's like, and I'm, when you eat, this is the other thing, you eat really large portions, right? So when I'm eating a ribeye, I'm trying to eat like 18 to 21 ounce ribeye. When I'm eating a tenderloin, I'm eating like at least a pound of tenderloin. And you think like, oh my God, that must cost a fortune. It's actually the opposite. I save more money now on food than I did when I was eating what I ate previously. Can you believe that? It's interesting. That's, that's, that's so interesting, especially considering all of the like really good cuts that you're buying. Oh, the and the cuts are super, super nice cuts. But talking Costco, about Wagyu, talking about yeah, that's ribs, right. good, yep. good, like good pig belly, man. That's crazy. You yeah, said get brisket, it from Costco? Like, man, you know, I'll, I'll order like 15 pounds of brisket and obviously I'll cut it into, into pieces and then we cook the brisket and, you know, five pounds of brisket will last me, you know what, three or four days. And then you're putting that on top of your hamburger or you're putting that in your eggs. So it's a pretty simple way to live and you just salt everything and you can throw a stick of butter in there if you want. I, I eat a lot of butter as well. So I'll put half a stick of butter in there uh, and on my steak. So when you're eating that ribeye, right, you've got the, the fat melting off the ribeye, but you also got half a stick of, of butter in there. Mm -hmm. And we do grass-fed butter. So we'll have grass-fed butter in there on that steak. And let me tell you, man, like I, I gave up steak sauce and I, I've never gone back. I don't know if I'll ever use steak sauce again in my life Dude, because I'm the hungry. meat is so good. So amazing. Hungry? I'm like, I'm, I'm hungry I'm now. starving well, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about ribs. I'm thinking about like putting brisket on a burger. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> 
I'll give it a shot. All right, James. Touche. Touche. I forgot we were doing a podcast yeah. for a second. I was just listening. I was cooking channel. Just turned into like a cooking yeah, show. Cooking you know? channel. I thought the cooking channel was on. Shoot. Yeah, I was about to. Someone, there's some, someone spilled some uh, liquid chalk next to me. But anyways, uh, let's, <laughs> let's, um, let's, 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 let's wrap it up. So James, I want to, I want to give you an opportunity. Also, first of all, thanks off. Thanks for being the first person that we've ever interviewed to ask us questions. Like, yeah, that was that's that was pretty level. awesome, honestly. <laughs> uh, let, let's just know what what it feels like to be in the passenger seat there. So, um, well, give us give anybody who's listening right now uh, anything you want them to take away from this. Uh, well, let's talk. Let's talk about chalk, and and uh, and I'll keep it chalk specific because that's that's what I do for a living, and. Um, I think that the chalk industry has been stale for a really long time. And what happened was people just accepted it. They said, look, we're improving on barbells. Um, our benches are getting better. Our squat racks are getting better. All the accessory stuff in powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting is getting better. You've got better jerk blocks now. Uh, you know, every, everything, collars have gotten a million times better. Um, now calibrated plates are cheap. But, but why not chalk? Why is every, the t-shirts are getting better for God's sakes. You powerlifters, you've got those t-shirts with the rubber stuff on the back of them. Yeah. I mean, everything is improving. Mm-hmm. Everything's innovating except for chalk. It's like the whole world just collectively accepted that chalk sucks. And we're just, we're destined to just use bad chalk, cheap chalk for the rest of our lives. And, uh, and I, I just couldn't accept that. I mean, there's gotta be other, other things that are like that, but I'm focused on chalk. Like I, I just want, I think chalk needs to be better and, and it needs to be, uh, it needs to be more functional. Just like back in the day when people used to use sand weights on their bench press. I mean, if you've ever seen the movie Friday, you know, the guy sitting on the bench press, you know, like concrete yeah. weights, you know, on his One, front porch. Yeah. The, Thank the God plastic we don't do ones that are full anymore. concrete. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're not we're not doing that anymore. Who's doing that? No. Nobody's doing who, that. Who does that? Steve, I don't know anyone who's who does doing that. that. Concrete no, plates. No one's, no one's doing concrete <laughs> plates, okay? Especially not me last year, okay, guys? No one is going to Home Depot buying an eighty pound bag of quickrete, <laughs> making concrete plates. No one's doing that, okay? No one's measuring them on a bathroom scale that you realize oh. doesn't go less than a hundred pounds. No, so you no, got to no. figure out something else. No one's doing that, guys. Calibrated. No one's no one's doing that, okay? okay. No one's yeah. doing that. No one here. So, anyways. Yeah. so it's, it's like, you know, I look at it and I say, uh, you know, we, we make a product for people who don't want to use rubber. I mean, uh, plastic weights filled with sand anymore. You know, back in the nineties, I remember going and seeing the Wendler bench at, at Walmart and thinking like, Oh, that's it. Like I need that. Cause I'm in high school and I want to like get big and get swole, you know? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah. And my parents said, no, we're not buying this $70 set of like plastic weights with a, that you fill with yard sand. Like we're not doing that. That's, that's a terrible idea. Thank God my dad like talked me out of that. But I'm trying to talk you guys out of using those cheap two ounce blocks that are imported from overseas. I hate to break it to you, but the dirty secret of chalk is every single block of chalk is the same. It, uh, I don't care if it has a, a black wrapper or a white wrapper or a purple wrapper. It's two ounce blocks. It comes from China. It doesn't matter if they say it's made in the U.S. or they say it's ultra pure. They say it's professional grade. It's the same exact block of chalk coming from the same exact factory. Well, the only stuff that's different. And uh, and I think you need to get off of the old school, you know, uh, 
old school chalk and try the new better chalk that we make. And I think that if you do that, you'll never go back. So talk to your uh, gym owners and put it in your bag, in your little Ziploc bag or in your Tupperware, and uh, you'll never go back. James Hobson, CEO, founder, president, boss man, spider chalk. Give him a try. You'll love it. <laughs> Sorry. James, you've been you've been killing it, Doug. You are uh, you are amazing at this. You should have your own podcast. Yeah, I was Let me guess. You got you got <laughs> one. You? you got one in the works. I know you do. Oh, if we ever do, which I mean, I'm, of course, I wouldn't call it a podcast, but I have thought about like interviewing people just because uh, because I you have like a knack for it. You do. You I, have I, I like I like hearing people's stories because I think people are really interesting. But if, as soon as we get that going, you guys are definitely going to be on it because well, hell yeah, dude, crack yeah. me up. Heck yeah. We just started this crack because up, we just we just wanted to do something that wasn't you know we, we know that it's not groundbreaking in in terms of like there are podcasts that exist, concept of podcasts regarding fitness exists, but we just wanted to do something a little bit different, hopefully by bringing our own personalities into it because this is shit we would talk about anyways in the, uh, yeah. in our own conversations and then also if we get an opportunity to you know talk to people like you or maybe even just kind of talk to people who can give them an opportunity uh to to represent themselves maybe differently than how other people see them you know if there's like a controversial topic that we can help find a mediation point for um that's kind of where we we see this going and with anything we're okay with failing if it ends up being something that we end up failing in but you know we're having we're having so much fun with it that we have no we have nowhere to go but up. Cool. Yeah, and and, and the other the difference when I first read your you know when you wrote me of course I, I asked you to send me an episode and I listened to it and uh, the thing that struck me is I don't really listen to podcasts I'll be honest because most me of neither honestly they are but, uh, they don't yeah but, I don't really listen to ours are funny you're funny and that's what, like makes it good I don't want to listen to some guy yapping on about like a bunch of nonsense I don't care about but. Yeah, but if they're dude. funny, I'll listen to a bunch of nonsense I don't care about. So that's how I found out exactly. about you guys, and uh, and I was like, man, these guys are really funny. It's, so yeah, Appreciate that's uh, that's what made all the difference, man. Just we got funny. we got better at it. We definitely we definitely had a we had a learning curve in the beginning, trying to represent ourselves well. I would say uh, over the recorded media, but um, I think I think we're we're hitting a little bit of a stride. Um, so James, CEO, founder, president of Spider Chalk. James, where can people find you? Amazon, spiderchalk.com, Rogue Fitness, Serious Steel, PRX, a million other places, Google. Look up the product. You'll love it. That's a wrap for today's episode. Listen to us every Tuesday wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram, at ChalkMyBack. Yeah, sounds awesome, man. All right.